When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Community is always worth celebrating. The same goes for the businesses born within them. And with Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery, you can find the biggest selection of Black-owned and women-owned beer, wine, and spirits brands, then get them delivered in under 60 minutes. Now you can sip with purpose and explore brands that are shifting in industry while amplifying voices often left unheard. Find your new favorite drinks while supporting the diverse stories that make them great. Make your memorable moments even more meaningful by choosing brands with intention. Show your support and raise a glass to the spirit of representation and belonging, all while discovering incredible drinks with stories worth celebrating. Just download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com to start sipping with purpose. Hello and welcome to episode 133 of... <laughs> 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 And on this episode, I'll be speaking to Sarah Michelle, an absolutely brilliant guitarist. And we'll be talking about how she got uh, into the business and what it's like for a professional musician during this lockdown. And it's difficult during the lockdown to uh, not get uh, sucked into some cyclical thinking, I think. And I've been aware that, you know, that I have to kind of... um, stop any negative thoughts coming into my head Uh, in particular you know you kind of start comparing yourself to other people in the same field other comedians or actors and if they're you know how well they're doing compared to you and that's not a good idea in fact it's much better idea more healthy i think to compare yourself to yourself a year ago or two years ago five years ago and how things may have improved or even last week if you found yourself struggling a week ago or so and uh, you've made just make just make some little change to your life and then don't compare yourself to other people compare yourself to yourself uh well that's a kind of a more healthy thing because otherwise what 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 are you doing you're just find you're just imagining that other people are doing better than you and um they may be imagining you're doing better than them because it's amazing when you find out how if you kind of let those uh, thoughts develop in your mind and you think somebody else has got the life and they're doing amazing and what are you doing with your life and you should have done more and you you made mistakes and all this kind of stuff and no matter how much you try you never get anywhere and all this kind of negative thinking and then, you know, quite often the other person is just looking at you going, wow, they've really got it made. They're sussed out. Like, they're so together. They know exactly what they're doing. Looking at you. And you're thinking you're not doing that. It's mental. I mean, there's nothing wrong with uh, a healthy competitiveness, of course. 
that is a, a different thing. I mean, you know, you can use that to your advantage and to spur yourself on to a certain extent, but it can also become a negative thing because, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, the most important thing is that you are doing what you want to do, not what you think other people would want you to be doing or doing trying to be better at something because someone else is doing it not because you actually want to do it because you if you just switch your thoughts i mean you know if you're thinking i have tried so hard to attain something and it's just not working out and it's getting you down you're going what's wrong here well then if you just make a little switch and go actually maybe that's not the thing for me I'll try and attain, attain something else, which w- I would definitely be able to do. That's a much better way of looking at it, I think. Uh, but all these kind of thoughts can get on top of you, especially during these um, lockdown times. So uh, there's uh, my 50 cents, is it? 10 cents? I can't remember what it's meant to be. Is it 50 cents or 10 cents or 1 cent? But uh, there's my thoughts on the situation. So, you know, I'm going to be in this uh, chat. uh, It's kind of interesting because we talk about what it's like and the frustrations of um, performers, particularly really talented performers like Sarah Michelle, who um, really miss, and I really miss it as well, just the camaraderie of going to do live gigs. Um, Not just the gig itself, but the camaraderie of hanging out with your fellow performers or even with uh, or even that interaction with an audience um it's desperate because last march when all the gigs finished almost completely no one thought it would be lasting this long it was like oh god we'll see you maybe in a month you know and now it's gone on for ages and um and uh, i don't know if people who have or not in the entertainment industry just realize how many people are affected i mean we're talking about performers but also people doing lighting and directing and set design and also all the people in the offices who who run these venues book the venues get the get the audiences in the people who are doing pr all these people imagine how many people are employed by big festivals like vodafone comedy festival in galway or in dublin or the electric picnic and all these festivals, so many people involved, so many people who do catering for these events as well, and all the bar staff, all the people in production and roadies and people who drive vans and everything. Ah, bleeding hell, bleeding mental. But that's like kind of been overlooked, I think, by the government, the arts and the music industry and the comedy industry employs so many people. And uh, But, you know, there is a pandemic on, so, yeah, we'll lump it. Like it, I lump it. We lump it. But so, um, yeah, I was just reading a book about uh, Bowie starting out up until he does Ziggy Stardust. And uh, it was quite, it's quite fascinating because he really had a very slow start to his career. David Bowie, you think like he was a genius from day one. Well, his first album was uh, a complete flop. And, uh, and then before that, he'd uh, released a couple of singles with different bands under the name of David, David Jones and, and uh, and he even just gave up and went tried to go for acting and uh, mime um, and then went and then came back with a second album 
called David Bowie as well. Two albums called David Bowie. And uh, and it was then Space Oddity became a hit. And then I had three more, three or four more flop singles. So, you know, uh, it just goes to show that uh, there's a struggle. And if you just keep focused, you get there in the end. Do you know where I'm at, man? You get there in the end, man. It's a buzz. Anyway, look, at um, we're... Uh, uh, on Headstuff Podcast Network here and there's lots of other great podcasts on the network and here's one of them. That's banging with Chris and Marcus. Hello my friends and welcome to That's Banging with me, Marcus Olera. And me, Chris Mellon. A new podcast celebrating everything good from farm to plate, ship to service and field and fork. A celebration of everything tasty, fresh and excellent that's coming off our island at the moment. As well as interviews with people who are shaping the best of the best of food and drink from around the country. Will be available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your podcasts. It's bleeding brilliant, isn't it? And also, I'm doing another podcast called uh, DIC TV, Dick TV. You could remember it that way. It's on Spotify, and it's all sketches. And we're actually bringing out a uh, a fake boy band single in this week. It'll be out on the eighth. Uh, it's called "Be in My Bubble," and uh, I'm going to play a little clip of it now. And we've got lots of sketches on it and little fake ads and all sorts of crack on the Dick TV thing. But here's here's the song. Baby, I've been so lackluster today. Been checking out your Insta stories all day long. Pretending you're here touching me with your lovely hands. Instead of these big hairy ones that I got. Oh, baby, baby. Been alone in my room Feeling this impending doom Without you here There's so much glue Oh baby, baby On the phone, it doesn't have to be this way. Come on over here and play. You and me laugh the day away. If you be in my bubble instead of my brother, my sister and brother, cause they. bubble i'd just like to say also i got a pa- uh, in the post some stuff from um charlotte who i interviewed in the last podcast from her website mohican m-o-h-e-c-a-n which is like uh, products for men and uh, she sent me some things like uh, concealer and uh, eyebrow gel 
which I'm using now. And I'll do a little video of myself using them, but they're actually brilliant products, you know. And uh, I'm going to start grooming myself. I am going to groom myself with these products from Mohican. Um, they're on the uh, website www.mohican.com. Um, yeah, that's it. Okay, here we go. This is Sarah Michelle. All right, Sarah, how are you? Uh, where are you now? What part of Ireland? Um, I'm still in Dublin at the moment, uh, <laughs> as you know. I actually, I like being stuck in Dublin in a way because it's where I know everyone anyway, you know, that kind of way. But being stuck in this lockdown now, it's extended until March, as we just heard there the other day. Um, it does make you reminisce, like uh, this whole lockdown, it makes you reminisce about touring and going to other places, London. Yeah, um, it's kind of crap. Did you grow up in, in uh, Dublin? Yeah, I was actually born in Camden in London and <laughs> yeah, and then grew up in Balbriggan, which was fun. It was great. No, it was great. Like there was actually like growing up in Balbriggan was good because I started getting into the music when I was around 12, 13. And there was a great music school in the center of the town, which was buzzing. Most of the teenagers were going there. And it was like, it created this great little community. Uh, unfortunately, that school is gone now. <laughs> but it was great at the time. It got a lot of people into music. And did you, grow, did you grow up in a musical family? Yeah, well, my dad was a guitarist. So, and he did a few gigs. Um, he was into the gigging for a while, but then, you know, his work kind of took over. Um, so he kind of got stuck into that. But he was a classical guitarist. So I got into the, I started off being into classical music weirdly like I didn't listen to classical music but I was li I was listening to all the kind of you know the punk and the rock stuff uh, but since my dad was teaching me the guitar he was teaching me the classical style and all the kind of rudiments and theory and stuff like that which was it, you know it's useful in a way <laughs> yeah. it's a good base to have you know but then the problem with that is you get so into um like the other styles and you're going to think of right I really want to be able to play like punk guitarists so, you know so I actually switched to the electric by myself so that was interesting and <laughs> um, there was electric guitar there in the house and I just started playing through that and uh, I kind of picked a lot of myself my dad helped me out with that as well he plays electric as well but primarily classical so that's when I started going to lessons for the uh, electric guitar and learning from there I was obsessed with it you know I was kind of like I was one of those students where it was like every week I would be looking forward to actually going to the lesson yeah <laughs> you know it's hard you know some people find it hard to be excited about going you know every single week but I was just like living for it <laughs> what age were you then when you started doing the lessons oh it's about 14 15 you know, it was about two years after I started the classical. And when I started the electric, it was it was a big change because when you start out on a classical instrument, there's you're playing, even though it's the same, it's a guitar, it's a completely different style, technique. 
uh, it's like you're relearning in a way when you switch to electric because you have to hold it a different way and you know play it a different way so it was almost like relearning in a way and yeah. what was that first electric guitar that was what, uh, your dad's guitar was it or yeah and he gave it to me just because he was like he's like you can use that he had a few of them so he's like oh you can use that one to practice on and he ended up just leaving it with me you know it was a nice little, it was a nice um epiphone guitar they kind of stand the test of time like it still is a great guitar you know yeah right yeah um, and, and uh, what kind of music then were when you really really got you know really into music i mean you know uh, when you're a kid i mean you know what oh, I mean? Right. <laughs> first thing, well, let's say let's say that when you're a kid and the first thing that Oh, when I was a kid, I was into like Spice Girls and I was into the mad dance music. I was I was actually really into dancing and I, I went to dancing lessons and everything like tap dancing and ballet. I was so into music, even with dancing. And um, but the only thing that changed was the, the styles change. You know, when you t you go a teenager and you get into the moody stuff, <laughs> like Linkin Park and all that stuff was around. So that was all exciting. So I got into that, you know. Um, but yeah, I've always been into music, you know. And um, even that pop music back then, that was great. Do you know what I mean? Like, it really was. <laughs> Um, no, yeah. probably, I'm probably saying it's great because it's like I'm reminiscing about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, there is a very uh, strong emotional link with music from growing up. Uh, you, yeah. you, you, you attach it to uh, things that happened, I guess, or how you were feeling at the time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And so then you can have good memories like of a song, even a song that you probably disliked at the time. When you grow, when you grow up, and you kind of go, "Oh, that wasn't that bad," because I associate it with good memories, you know that kind of way. Yeah, right. And were you uh, into the um, youth kind of culture, like fashion-wise, and? Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I had I when I was like fifteen, I started uh, bleaching my hair, <laughs> yeah. like, and uh, like yeah, my mom hated that. <laughs> and even the school I was in, I, you weren't allowed to really have, like I I only had bleached blonde hair, but you weren't allowed to have that because mm -hmm. it stood out, and uh, they would always be telling me to um, like tie back my hair. Uh, all this kind of stuff which to me was crazy because it's only hair you know <laughs> um uh, but they were so into the uniform that you know like I had friends as well they had just like a lightly dyed red hair would be extreme and that you know that wasn't that long ago you know oh, you kind of go my, my daughter's just finished school two years ago about yeah same thing like they weren't allowed is it the same oh my god yeah in Drada. it's very yeah 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 and, and they weren't even allowed um take off their they had these jumpers as part of the uniform and even if they were like roasting in the class you're not allowed like, take it off. <laughs> yeah I know and we used to we used to because I went to a Loretto school did she go to a Loretto school or is it um what's it called Sacred Heart in oh, right. yeah yeah but we had to wear the skirts and you know you'd be freezing so we always uh wore tights and the socks but they used to actually give out if you wore tight. Like, that's crazy, you know, that kind of way. Yeah. But yeah, I had, I actually had a very hard time um, just with the hair. It's crazy. They give people hard times if you, if you like, if you want to experiment with your hair, 
you know, or wear nail varnish, uh, you know, it's not allowed. But that to me is a bit strict, you know, it's kind of like, like I get the idea, like, yeah, everybody's the same. You don't want everybody kind of uh, like, so one person gets to do this and the other person can't do that. But I don't know, it's a bit strict. It doesn't actually affect your education at all, you know? No. Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually got my ear pierced when I was in school and I was led away with it because uh, my mother had died. So I was led away. With oh, stuff. what? Really? <laughs> oh, what? So they were like kind of just, oh, wait. Yeah, his mother's dead. Yeah, you were expressing yourself anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's strange. So when you were in school, was it similar? Uh, well, I went to uh, the last three years of school, I went to... Uh, a clane in County Kildare and it not not the uh, not Clongo's Wood which is for posh people but it, just an ordinary school and that was actually run by nuns it was a mixed yeah. school run by nuns and I'd come from a all-boys school and yeah. uh, it was actually weirder in a mixed school because nuns are quite good at psychological psychological kind of <laughs> Torture. <laughs> that's yeah <laughs> you know that's interesting because the school I went to was it was it was a Loretta so it was run by nuns um now when I was in it there was there was no nuns there teaching but there was a convent beside it sometimes we'd have to go visit the nuns mm. and they were for the most part it was grand it wasn't like <laughs> you'd be afraid or anything but uh I've heard horror stories from the past <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that they were like, uh, the, I went to the same areas, there was a brothers, like, you know, brothers, they're like, they're not like, uh, the oh, brothers. yeah, the brothers, not yeah, brothers yeah. from the hood, they're, yeah, uh, I know, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, yeah, I don't know what, they're a bit like priests, but they're not priests, anyway, uh, <laughs> they could be fit physically, uh, you know, they, one of them would hit and stuff, yeah, but, Strange. yeah, I actually found that better than the, the um, stuff the nuns did. <laughs> <laughs> See, I wouldn't really know. I've just heard stories. You'd know. <laughs> well, you you would have heard at the time, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's gone. That's kind of on its way out. It's nearly, a, it's gone. Like oh. the physical side is gone completely. Yeah, yeah, the physical, you can't hit anything. <clears throat> I'm surprised at how strict they were for my daughter. And when I went to the school for the parent-teacher meeting, there was a big statue of Jesus right in the, right mm. in the door as you walked in. And a defib yeah. defibrillator as well. So they obviously yeah. had science <laughs> and religion. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. <laughs> and um. just going back to the school, were, were you uh, in a band at school did you join a band yeah I was in a band in the Loretto yeah <laughs> it was an all-girl band and uh we did we only had two guitars a singer and a drummer we didn't even have a bass player because nobody played bass <laughs> and the two guitarists me and the other girl were too stubborn to switch yeah. you know that kind of way but you know what um that was fun like you know it was it kind of gave me an idea what it was like to like play with other musicians um but when I was in school uh I was doing the orchestra mostly <laughs> I was and um, I used to do that every when was that every Wednesday at lunchtime we'd have to take our lunch out to actually do it that's how nerdy it was like but it was actually it was great like I learned so much when like I'm a teacher now I teach music and mm. um, whenever I'm teaching students 
I'm always saying like try and get into an orchestra anything you can do in the school because you know you're that's close it's it's an idea of what it's like to be a session musician in a way because we she used to hand us sheets of music to read uh chord charts all this stuff and, and, and in the beginning you're kind of like right I have to learn all of these chords I have to get used to this and uh it's great. It puts you on the spot. And that's exactly what you need. Like, you know, that's a skill in itself to be uh, confident enough to read a chart. So uh, anyone listening to this should definitely join an orchestra <laughs> or a choir even is good. You know, if you're playing guitar for a choir, yeah, anything yeah. like that, even if you're not into that music, it's still like it's one of those skills that you're just going to need. It's going to come up eventually, you know. Yeah. And. Um what kind of music were you playing in the school band? What was the covers like? It was a, no, it was a, no, it was a proper orchestra. Like I was, I had to play the classical guitar in the orchestra. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry, but you had a band. Well, <clears throat> oh, the band. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like we were doing the rock music. Um, what was the songs we were doing? It was Guns and Roses, and mm. it was all that kind of right. Uh, and Green Day uh, and all that stuff. That was kind of in at the time, you know. That all kind of. Like Green Day were big at the time then. Yeah. Uh, not like they were, weren't big, but it was like everybody was getting into them again. And Lincoln Park were really big at the time. Mm. That was like, like we had never heard anything like that before. Yeah. <laughs> Limp um, Biscuit as well. Like that was actually, like I actually still think that was great. You know, that music was brilliant. So uh, at what point did you? think I'd like to pursue this as my kind of life you know music I definitely knew it in the last year of second like secondary school so yeah. uh, I knew it then and I remember they used to make us go and do you know you had to go to like a a careers guidance counselor because they'd help you with your like CAO and all this stuff and what you're choosing and I remember she was like what do you want to do I was like uh, music and uh it was just so looked down but it really was looked down upon she was just she was very uh <laughs> she didn't hold back like she was just like basically that's a terrible idea yeah. uh, no there's no money in that and you know it's very hard actually at the time it was very hard to find courses that were in music that weren't classical like I was very into the modern at that time I was into the modern style music so yeah. it was yeah. I was kind of thinking what can I do um I did. Um, BIM didn't exist then. No. no, it didn't exist then. No, it just existed like a year later. Uh -huh. yeah. So what happened was I applied for classical DIT Rap Minds. I went there and I did classical guitar for a year, which was intense yeah. um, because I had given up the classical guitar for like, like a few years you know I actually I went I just did the audition I didn't think I would get it because I was going no I haven't done this in ages and um, I played two pieces and they were like they thought I had the ability so they I got in on that and um, but I had a lot of work to do you know theory wise and so I had to catch up on that and um, but I kind of drove and um, we had in we had this uh like specific tutor assigned to us that you would see every week I had a great classical guitar tutor there and <laughs> I drove him half mad though because he was just like there was very few classical guitarists on the course in the first place there's only like four or five of us 
And uh, he knew, anytime I went into him, he knew I was saying the electric too much. He, they can tell by the way you hold the, the guitar, the way you're sitting. If you're slouching, you're more than likely uh, you've been playing electric. If you're holding your thumb around the neck, that's completely wrong on the classical. So they're kind of, he was really like strict on that, which is great. But also, if you're really into electric, it's hard. It's hard to balance it out. And then I heard about BIM, and that was halfway through that year. And I was like, oh, my God, this is definitely for me. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. And um, I was living in Ratmines at the time. So it was close by, you know, um, and I went for the audition for BIM, basically got that and completely changed into the commercial modern music and when I went to BIM I actually learned how much I didn't know at all like like as soon as you go to BIM it's very performance based so if you hadn't been doing a lot of gigs or anything like that you're if you're in any way shy or kind of like reserved you know or kind of like oh afraid to play in front of people yeah. uh they get rid of that very quickly <laughs> because they throw you up on stage with other people and they get you to play a song and what they do after that is they kind of uh like i can't remember what that class is called something to do with performance anyway but they would have like a three tutors there and they would comment on everything you did okay how do we make that better what did you do there you know that kind of way oh. and i remember we had to do this clapton song the very first day we were there we were all thrown up on the stage yeah i was up playing guitar the guitar they thought the guitar sounded great but i was actually standing towards the drummer i didn't turn around i was like standing right looking at the drummer and they were like um you should really face the audience, you know? So, and I think that was kind of like a, a comfort zone that I was probably doing in the other band I was in, you know, like not really thinking enough mm. about the performance aspect. Uh, so yeah, and in BIM, it was, I mean, I had an amazing time in BIM. I like learned so much. It changed me as a musician. Mm. Uh, I learned everything I needed to know. Um, so like at what point so when did you start listening to say guitarists you know like i, I mean i because i'm i see you on instagram right and i you've got like <laughs> you were, you I'm, I've, I've changed since bim as well though <laughs> oh really oh yeah yeah there's uh, styles i've gone through so many styles i think that's what happens though and uh, i read like i follow this great page on instagram it's called niche right and they yeah. put up uh have you seen it, it it's just like they put up really great quotes from like amazing musicians and uh, writers and stuff like that. And uh, I, I seen one they put up of Miles Davis recently and it was amazing. And it was like the truest thing I had ever heard. It was basically him sitting, it's a nice photo of him sitting down, but it says something like, um, it really takes a musician a long time to sound like themselves. And that's kind of the whole, like that can, that's me like spoke so much because it was like like if you had looked at me like 10 years ago playing I would have been playing nothing like what I am now not even ability wise but you know style wise and everything you really grow into yourself like the more you play with other musicians the more you learn you know it's all about discovering new stuff do you know what I mean mm. and uh I still feel like I probably don't sound like I sound like myself more today than I ever have. But I'd say 
in, in like 10 years time, I'll be saying the same thing, right? I've changed now, you know? So like at the moment, I'm very into the jazz stuff. Like, and I never ever thought back in BIM days that I'd be into jazz. I was very like reluctant to go that way. And only in the past two years, I, I've become obsessed with just standards, you know, and yeah. Frank Sinatra, Miles Davis, all that stuff. Um, so, yeah. It's funny how you so in stand-up comedy as well, most comedians would start off uh, imitating someone else. And then they, yeah. find, they find their voice. They find their That's voice. exactly what it is. That's what, You kind of have to do that, though, yeah. in a way, you know. And yeah. you have to get your parts together. Yeah. and get comfortable at that and then you start discovering new things and being more free in what you can do you know but you you um so it, it's after bim that you were start discovering people like peter green and things like that was it is that after bim uh, no that i would have been into i got very into the blues in bim yeah. actually like blues oh, yeah. it's jazz and blues for me now right, <laughs> at, right. right now and <laughs> um, oh yeah i was into i was into the rock thing in bim but i was also into the punk and very much into the blues how do you feel about uh you know some music punk bands are not great musicians right yeah. Uh, some really well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I <Yeah>. just <laughs> I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's oh, yeah, it's a, that's a tricky one because it's like uh like what would you think of that? Would you say what do not... I feel? I feel that it doesn't matter if you're not a great mm. musician. I mean it probably does matter. I would agree, you, yeah. I definitely in... agree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, there that... is if there's that thing where it's like um like I, I'm a big uh, Jimmy Page fan, right? And he's not punk, but just as an example of a player, he's very loose with his guitar playing. He's not about being perfect. Mm. You know what I mean? Which I think is amazing. Like, and that's, I, I love that about punk style guitar as well. It's just the whole thing is you're expressing yourself. You know, mm. that's, that's the point. It's not about being highly skilled or shown off technicality you know it's actually about the moment and what they're trying to portray and mm -hmm. I think that's really important it's important in all styles of music you know like you can go when I was in BIM I got very into the perfection of things I wanted to be very perfect mm. type of guitarist and then when I left BIM I started playing with more like musicians and, and seeing more guitarists that I'd be working with and I always found the coolest things that they did were very was very loose you know but in in a in a controlled way if that makes sense like um have you ever seen mick pyro play guitar? oh yeah yeah he's amazing like the way he plays is it's amazing like like you know i think that's like that's all that's perfection to my ears because you know he's doing these really cool bands and it's his own thing do you know what i mean like that's that to me is perfection if i see somebody play a song like like you know anything and they're just playing it like the way the song sounds it's kind of like you can add your own thing to it you know that way you can be loose with things and you are going to be like you know people will judge you you know <laughs> a lot of people judge jimmy page you know that kind of thing. oh you know sometimes that was it wasn't perfect and i was going but that was that was the point you know that kind of way they're free mm -hmm. in what they're doing to me i think it sounds perfect because it's what he's doing a lot of a lot of players say that musicians say that um it should be um it sh there should be a bit of a struggle with your instrument in mm -hmm. some way you know um it, it's a weird concept it's like 
you sound better in some way if you're struggling. Not that the audience can hear you struggle, but if you are actually playing your instrument and you're struggling, well, you're not struggling, but you're kind of fighting it a little bit. Yeah. It can, it gives off a certain edge. It's a weird thing. Right. Um, so, so who are the, who are your guitar heroes? Who, who do you look up to now? A few that I've noticed on your Instagram. So you said Stevie Ray. <laughs> Stevie Ray Vaughan, oh, yeah, definitely. Peter Green, yeah. Eddie Van Halen, yeah. Joe Pass, I think. Definitely Joe Pass, yeah. Jeff Atkins. Yeah. So these are all men. So I just wondered, mm. did, did that uh, ever, when you when you were, you know, you're becoming a guitarist, this is what you want to do. And yeah. All, all the people that you are influenced by are all men. Did that ever... To be honest, it never made a difference to me because um, with something like when when you're listening to an instrument, you're listening to the instrument. I'm never thinking, oh, um, these are all male players, you know, that and that's the, the type of thing that I think, you know, it's it's important today as well. Like it's whatever you are, female or male, there. if you're playing an instrument, you're playing an instrument. There's no... There's no difference. Do you know what I mean? Um, everybody is individual. And uh, see, it's a hard one. Like, I actually love Jennifer Batten. Like, I thought she was amazing. She played for um, Michael Jackson. Do you remember in the 80s? Oh, okay, yeah. She was amazing. Like, she's like, you know, like, if, have you ever seen her play? She does all this tapping stuff. And she put on a performance. But that's that's kind of shred style like that. And and to do all that stuff, like that takes years, you know, that's amazing skill that she has. But when I, when I listen to music, see, I'm never really thinking about like the gender or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about song, like, like, cause I'm actually a massive Nina Simone fan. Like, like her piano playing to me is like one of the best things I've ever heard ever. <laughs> like it's outrageous. Like, and it, it's crazy that, um, like some people I know don't know about her skills on the piano. They know she's a singer and the song she did, but her piano playing was, it was crazy. It was out of this world, mm. you know. Um, she classically trained as well. Classically trained. She just unleashes all of her, everything she knows. And I'd say she'd be playing one song and she'll just like randomly add in another uh, melody from another song in a very cool jazz way. And then you go back to the classical and the skills you're looking at, you're like, that is like, that's rare. You know yeah. what I mean? So actually Nina Simone is definitely like, she, I love all of her versions of the jazz standards. Um, yeah. And her vocals were well, amazing. You know, Joni Mitchell's incredible. Joni Mitchell. She's another one. And mm -hmm. Kate Bush as well. Absolutely love Kate Bush. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. amazing to see so many great female, um, songwriters and musicians now i mean i went to uh, glastonbury the last glastonbury i think it's two years ago now but uh myself and my daughter went and uh uh we just went to see female acts and it wasn't that we were intentionally doing that we were going these are the really good acts yeah like it's <laughs> yeah. not like you're thinking about it <laughs> no 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 but to, i think today there's so many amazing like female acts you know like it's, yeah. but it's still something you're not thinking about you're not kind of going oh i need to mix this up now you know like it's not really a thing it's in music it's just literally about the music do you know what i mean absolutely yeah yeah um, 
that's yeah. all it is you uh, know um guitar you know guitar is a strange one i think there's so many amazing female guitarists and i hate saying female right <laughs> i know i hate i never say that but i'm only saying that in the context of what i just sure, said of course, yeah. <laughs> uh you know through the 70s guitar was the like it's almost like a phallic symbol the guitar when they oh when, it was in the yeah it definitely was <laughs> yeah if you if you're using it that way yeah <laughs> um <laughs> That's all, that whole thing died out though very quickly. Yeah, it did. Yeah. You know, uh, I think in music it, it always comes back to, you know, the quality of the music. Uh, like it always has to have a purpose as well. You know, that's the music that really stands out to me. You know, I, I listen to music and if it has amazing harmony in it and the purpose of the song is amazing and like that's why I'm so obsessed. I'm obsessed with the Beatles. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've always been obsessed with them like because everything that they did was so new like like they, even watching their journey like they didn't stay they always changed and I think that's even to this day I feel like it's so relevant like some people will probably say oh sure that was back in the 60s 70s and you're kind of going yeah still if you listen to any of their tracks like off Revolver or anything like that you're going that's that sounds modern. And Kate Bush as well. I feel like her music, if you put it, did you hear that recently actually, Anne? One of her songs has blown up on, you know, TikTok? Yeah. Like on TikTok, they use like samples of random songs and they can blow up and everybody uses them on the video. Yeah. And her song, you know, Babushka, that's oh, blown yeah. up now. And all of the teenagers, are, like if you look at the charts, that song is coming back into the charts. It's the same with that Fleetwood Mac song, Dreams. That's gone back into the charts. Like, um, so yeah, it's kind of timeless when you think about it. Amazing. I just was. I just watched American Beauty, that film, and there's a version. Oh, yeah. of, there's a version of Because the Beatles song. Oh, I love that song. That's, wow. Yeah. It and have you heard the one that's just they have a version of it that's just vocals? Oh my god, you have to listen to it. It's it, it's all the harmonies, you're just listening to the vocals, all the yeah. harmonies. You're like, whoa, like, and that's just them. They're not trained, they were never trained in music. Everything they did was just they picked it all up, you know. And you yeah. know, that's you know, incredible, you know, yeah. it, it kind of. I think that freed them in a way to be able to like look at different genres and stuff like that. Like the way they were looking at the Indian sounds and stuff, you know, they were always keeping it interesting. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I've heard you play. Oh, I think when you played a bottleneck. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Indian, yeah. Indian. Yeah. I love doing the kind of sitar slide. Mm. I got, I got very obsessed with that for a while. Uh, at one point when I was very into like the George Harrison style. Mm. Uh, guitar he, he was really into the Indian like culture you know like mm. he was into the sitar he learned how to play that instrument which is really hard mm. um you can uh you can replicate that sound on the guitar like there's players like Derek Trucks and um, he's an amazing slide player have you heard of him who uh Derek Trucks no I don't know him okay he is he's a blues player and um incredible uh, at the slide guitar but he I've seen a really cool lesson he did in just when he's playing the he's trying to add the sitar sound to this slide on an actual guitar it's very very difficult to do uh, to make it actually have that kind of 
it's a tricky technique. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I loved kind of getting into that, looking into what kind of scales they were using to get that sound and stuff. It was cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was... So, but just to go, I suppose to go back to after, after BIM, uh, yeah. uh, what happens then? How do you make a living? <laughs> <laughs> I made I, I made a living from gigs would you believe <laughs> I, I went into uh, I actually luckily I got a job a year after BIM or so I got a job teaching in a music school and I'm still teaching there now so mm-hmm. that's uh, I built up a lot of hours there which is great um, but and in, what about then playing playing live playing yeah the playing oh. was the playing was my main income Okay. You know what I mean? Like the teaching was my side. Uh, it's like a side thing that I would do, you know, on because weekdays you rarely would gig, you know. Yes. But actually, funny enough, I used to gig every Tuesday in town at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's strange when you think about it, but town was a lively place. Like uh, Dublin City is very lively, even on a Tuesday nights. Where? Uh, we played in Temple Bar in a place called the Mez. It's like this dive bar, and it was—it's a very like last March last year. That's the last place I gigged, and it, I actually loved gigging there because it was—it was so fun. Like anyone could come in and get up and jam with us, and we were doing a cool set. You know, we were doing anything we wanted to do. It wasn't like we had to play, you know, the usual covers or anything. We did like some steely Dan we were adding into the set, which was like, like some people, so many young people there and they'd be like, what is this? But they'd like the sound of it. So it was cool. Yeah. And um, uh, did you do uh, session work? In- uh, yeah, I, I do a lot of session work. I work at the moment, I'm working with a blues musician called Mary Stokes. Yeah, um, I know her, yeah. She, yeah, she's a brilliant blues musician. I've gigged with her loads. I was doing the, uh cork jazz festival with her every year and it was very sad not to do it last year because we kind of got into the run of doing it for you know i only did the last two with them but you kind of still miss it you know that kind of way and yeah i did some session work for her and um nick pyro and uh anything i got i was i just run at it you know that kind of way and so yeah the session work session work is interesting because I love this I really love doing the session work and um, but this whole pandemic and lockdown it makes you really think right I'd actually like to start doing my own thing you know uh, I was gonna I mean, ask you that then how how much of your own writing is yeah um, well, when I was into the session thing, it was I really didn't do anything on my own. I would be like just working for other people and adding my own ideas to the stuff. But only like the past year, I've started to sit down again and start going, right, I would like to start writing my own stuff. Uh, it's a nice thing to be in control of your own music and not have... Like, it's cool. I was in a band there for a while um, that was based in London. Georgia. Georgia, yeah. They are great. The great musicians. Um, It was the rock thing, though. And um, it was a great experience to get to do that. But it's also interesting, if you're in a band like that and you're writing together, there has to be a lot of kind of give and take. Do you know what I mean? Like, Like, if you write, if you have a musical idea, um, and then you have 
you have other members of the band adding to that and then you know and then it, it becomes a band song which is cool like writing with people and exchanging ideas and um, but it does kind of limit you then if you had an idea and you want to keep it this way or whatever you just have to do it yourself you know and yeah. um, so that's what my goal is now and can you uh, work with people online? I think so. Yeah, like um, there's cool things like that. And, and people are doing a lot of collaborations at the moment, you know, because they're all locked down. And yeah, at the moment, I'm just interested in writing my own stuff. I've written, I have a song ready to go. I need to get it mixed, but um, we're locked down. So I kind of need to go into a studio for that just to get something, a vocal down or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I put up little clips of it on my Instagram and I actually, I got an amazing amount of feedback. <laughs> I was like, because I, I just randomly put it up and I wasn't expecting anyone to, you know, it's like maybe they'll say, well done, it sounds okay. <laughs> but I got enough feedback for me to say, right, okay, people do like what I have to write, you know. Mm. Um, so I'm going to stick with that for the moment. Um, but interestingly enough, I did do a blues album with Mary Stokes, which I forgot to mention. And <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it's, she, we, we basically did it. I think it was well over, might have been two years ago or over a year ago, but they were working on it like last year a bit as well. Uh, it's a blues album, a live album. So what we did was we went into a studio and we just did all the songs live. That's the album. You know, it's like a live, it's a completely live feel, which is, you know, it's kind of, it's cool because think of it now, there's no live gigs. So <laughs> when you put it on, even when I put it on there, when I heard it, I was listening to it. I actually felt like, oh my God, I'm back at the gig. You know, I'm playing the court jazz festival. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then it makes you sad in a way. <laughs> yeah. And you never forget that that experience. You know, you're like, mm. well, as soon as you think about it, you remember so well. Yeah. It's like, uh, I remember playing um, Electric Picnic. And I never forget that because um, it was such a big stage. And it was just like, you know, you're like, it just sits with you, that experience, especially if you're playing with an artist. Um, <clears throat> I was playing with an artist. Uh, oh, yeah, Mick Pyro it was. Oh, yeah. And, everybody knew his song like it was weird the band was on the stage we were ready to go and um mick wasn't on the stage yet uh he got on the stage then like because i was looking outside it was kind of scattered people yeah. mick walks out and we start the song and it's like everybody jam-packed they knew exactly who he was and you know they knew all those old songs they were singing that republic song back to him yeah oh yeah he did the republic of blue stuff at the end yeah. he started with a loose song called you know ah it's just called yeah. ah <laughs> it's a cool funky one um but yeah it's, it's amazing to have it, they're not my songs they're his songs and the band's songs but even like you're looking like they are singing his lyrics back yeah. to him it's a like I was wondering how would that feel for him you know because I can see it I'm there but it's it's crazy because he wrote those lyrics you know that's amazing what's he like to work with he's brilliant yeah he's got an amazing ear for yeah. harmonies and guitar parts and everything you can think of a very very musical person um and uh yeah his whole knowledge of funk music and so many rock music rap music all that it's crazy you know yeah. so much it's tough isn't it uh, like how you find in the lockdown obviously 
no live mm. gig, but also I guess no, you don't even get to jam with other musicians. No, you don't even get to do that. Um, uh, it was fun. I was getting to do that with um, Ellen O'Reilly and Danny. Mm. Um, you know, from I play in this covers band called the odd, called the odd Mollies, and we would get we're friends. Like we just get together last year, just jam. You know, even though there's no like gigs to be doing we would just get together and jam and even that was like it was nice to do it it kind of brought back this I don't know rush of endorphins or something <laughs> that you admit you're like oh my god I'm deprived of the gigs you know and um, so um, we did get to do one gig in September last year and um, which was fun it was in Drada do you remember that right. you got up and sang which was fun. <laughs> but wasn't it mad looking at people though? Like they all had to sit at their des- designated tables. Yeah. You know? And yeah. you can see they're eager to get up and dance, but it's just, all I know is that as a musician who like, I can really remember my last gig last March very well. It was a really good gig, luckily. I never thought, I remember leaving the band and we were going, I'll see you on Saturday. Like we thought oh, we might be locked down for two weeks, but I'll see you on Saturday or whatever. And um, no, I, I, like I still haven't seen some of those people since March. <laughs> and, and it's weird. It's kind of like, how much lockdown is there going to be? It's, it's, it's frightening in a way. I, I... The covers band I mainly played, it was called The Kickbacks. And we were playing every single week, like, yeah. every week in Dublin City all the time you know and it's very hard to just be cut off from that yeah you know, you're just kind of going that was my life and it's the type of thing where you go if you said that to anyone they'd be like oh that's not a lot of people think that's not an actual job but it is because you're making money and you're paying your taxes like <laughs> so so yeah. don't you know that kind of way I feel like um I don't know I feel like the musicians have had it hard hit hard they're the first people to stop and they will be the last people to go back. So, and it, it brought a lot into the economy. That's the other thing. It's like, like gigging and shows and everything that made loads of money, yeah. for, you know, and I don't think that's something to be kind of, uh, because it's not happening now, it feels like it's, it's like, the government are a bit like oh okay you know we have to get through this lockdown but you can't really let people lose their businesses do you know what i mean it's yeah no i think it's been a really bad and i think a lot of musicians have like like there's it's just we're you know living a lot of people are on the pandemic and but that's not a substitute like it it keeps you going Mm. but it's also it you know you're restricted from what you would have been like people have lost so much money from gigs it's crazy like I know a, a guy who <laughs> he just gigs nearly every day of the week and you know it's very hard to lose that and adapt to just not doing it there should be something in place for even ever like everyone you can't expect people to mentally handle a lockdown forever you know what I mean um so uh yeah listen it was great chatting to you um anyway yeah it's been really good chatting and uh yeah nice to chat to you again finally brilliant sarah michelle she's an amazing guitarist just incredible 
and and uh, she plays in a covers band with Ellen O'Reilly, who I interviewed a few podcasts ago, who's also a stand-up com- She's a stand-up comedian, Ellen O'Reilly, but an amazing bass player. So there's a band called The Odd Mollies uh, with uh, Danny on drums, Ellen on bass, and Michelle on guitar. And they're so amazing. They're so talented, just incredible musicians. I'm always envious of these amazing musicians, but but because uh, uh, my uh, my lack of prowess on the guitars fairly obvious if you know what I mean but uh yeah they're amazing so that was good so yeah um thanks for listening and remember uh I've got a few th- you, can, you can catch uh, Sarah, Sarah Michelle she's on uh Instagram Sarah Michelle guitar I think that's her handle she's on Facebook she has loads of little bits of her playing on her Instagram and she's amazing so just go and watch her and listen to her She's incredible. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today.